not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. Don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show and also the podcasting apps that you use. I'm Kay Winnigal and today I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Bucknell. Hello Kay. And Michael Steindl. G'day Kay, g'day Nat, g'day everyone, thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be discussing the opportunities flywheels have as an energy storage system. Oxto Energy has developed an innovative flywheel energy storage system and we have George Prasinos to tell us about it. Welcome George and thanks for joining us. Hello. George, can you start off by telling us a little bit about your own career history? Um, I've been an engineer for uh, this is now 16 years. Um, I did all my degrees uh, around satellite engineering, and I started uh, being involved in business uh, quite early. Uh, I did a number of businesses uh, previously, uh, involved in hospitality, retail, uh, and around engineering, uh, around the satellite engineering uh, sector. I started talks to two years ago, uh, focusing on the energy storage markets, and yes, uh, where we're now in Australia. Great. So where did the name Oxto come from? A bit hard to find a trademark name these days. Oxto is uh, the number eight. Uh, it means Octo in mm-hmm. Greek. Uh, so it is, uh, we try to call it Octo, but no one could pronounce it. So hence it became Oxto. And Oxto is actually worldwide. It, it started in the UK, but you've got offices in New York, and now in Burke Street, Melbourne, is that right? Yes, that's absolutely correct, yes. Okay, so on to the technical stuff, the exciting flywheels. Uh, your website refers to flywheels as mechanical energy that stores kinetic energy in the form of rotating mass. Yes. Um, that uh, could bring up visions of Indiana Jones running on a big stone ball or something, <laughs> but it's much more sophisticated than that, isn't it? Tell us briefly. Um, well, the flywheel as a concept uh, is not very uh, widely talked about. If you like to imagine uh, a spinning rotating mass, um, the more fast it spins or the heavier that is, it stores energy in the kinetic form. Now, kinetic energy, again, is quite tricky for quite a few people to understand, but if you imagine something rotating, uh, if you put it in motion, it would like to stay in this motion. And this, uh, this attribute, if you like, is the kinetic energy that the system has in it. An, ex- an, an example of an early one that I've heard is a potter's wheel, that once you get the potter's wheel spinning, that it just is inclined to keep on spinning. Absolutely. And, and that's the kind of principle that the flywheels operating on, is that correct? Yes. Uh, it, it is like, as a concept, it's a very, very old concept. Uh, it is on what, a thousand years ago, actually. Uh, and we try to take this simplistic approach and to apply it with sophisticated uh, means to store energy efficiently. Um, it is... Essentially, it's a mechanical battery system. I mm-hmm. was exactly what the, the yeah. was. So you're, you've made some 
improvements in the technology, um, different from the traditional flywheel. Um, tell us about that. You're using steel instead of carbon fiber. That seems a backward step. Yes, well, uh, as I said, like uh, flywheels are a very basic principle. Uh, you spin something fast, it stores energy. We saw that although carbon fiber, uh, magnets and everything uh, is quite uh, interesting technologies, we wanted to keep this in the simplicity. And everything about energy storage is around cost. And for us to allow to decrease the cost of the units, we kind of redesigned the whole system and we created the next generation of energy storage devices and the next generation of flywheels for that matter. So our system is 100% steel. Uh, we don't have any magnets, uh, not on the bearings, not on the actual motor. We don't have this t- difficult co- state configuration that you have a motor, that you have a shaft, that you have a flywheel. It's all embedded and gives us a lot of flexibility and performance benefits compared to any other system. Can, can we back up a little bit just with the total concept of the flywheel? And So you talk about the motor on the flywheel. Um, can you just explain to us again about the, the role of the, the motor and what, what, what it's doing in terms of how, how the flywheel operates as a battery with the motor? Certainly. Um, so the standard configuration is you have a motor and then you have uh, a heavy rotor connected to it through a shaft. Now, the motor is there to put, like, put the wheel in motion, like to start spinning it. And when the wheel is, is spinning, by decelerating, uh, get the energy out, like decelerating, so it's energy conversion from the rotor back to electricity. So, so, the, so the motor is basically the charger and the discharger Yes, of the so battery. it becomes, it's a motor at one point, it's a generator on the other point. Because a- it's and as for hydro, the, the, the pump and the generator are the same thing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, a generator is essentially a motor working in reverse. Now, th- this concept has a lot of components, a lot of complexity. And what we did is we embedded the flywheel to be the motor's rotor. So we have essentially just a motor, but with a very heavy rotor inside it. And this is pretty much the concept. So you're spinning the motor, but because of the inertia, high inertia that the rotor has and the speed it has, this is where the energy is stored. And when we decelerate that, we get the energy back out again as electricity. So I've seen photos of your flywheel, and it's about 1.2 metres in diameter and 600 millimetres high. Yes, that's correct. And 1.5 tons. That's amazing. Yes, yes. It, it is. It's a bit heavy. It's not like on a very portable, but it's designed in such a way so all the dimensions and its densities and its capacities are uh, kind of optimized around portability, uh, deployment, and sizes. Mm-hmm. And what sort of efficiencies do you get? We get approximately 95% efficiency to 96% efficiency operational on the round trip on the AC side. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So the AC side, um, that's important because, uh, as we were discussing before the show, often people talk about batteries and they're talking about the DC in and out and say a lithium battery might lose 1% each way. Yes. But you've also got to add another percent or maybe two for the inverter losses. Yes. Uh, you're going AC to AC um, with something like 96% efficiency. Yes. And that's in spite of not using evacuated chambers, not using magnetic bearings, having an airfield. Um, and, and ceramic bearings. Uh, we still have evacuated uh, comp- uh, oh, like the chamber is evacuated, but no magnetic bearings, correct. Uh, we have uh, hybrid ceramic bearings, 
which although are not as fancy or as efficient as uh, uh, magnetic ones, they give us very high performance and also a lot of flexibility on maintenance and uh, how we can use them. So are you saying that they give you better performance than the magnetic bearings? No, no, they don't. They don't oh, give better but performance. But they give you a much better costing. Much better costing. Oh, okay. uh, so if we take all the components uh, into consideration, it's a much better uh, option because you can go with the magnetic, but they're very expensive. expensive. And also, although they look very efficient, they are expensive from energy cost to run them, to operate them. Because if you have some vibration or you have this constant correction, magnetic bearings are quite costly on power consumption. Oh, that's an interesting so you little quirk, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Or Wrigley? Yeah. Um, so on a, a like-for-like like in terms of capacity unit, yes. um, what's the proportion of, of cost of your unit compared to um, the high-tech carbon fibre magnetic bearing things? We have managed to have uh, a tenth of the cost of a standard uh, Did you say half or a tenth? A tenth. A tenth the cost. So we have quite substantial reduction. That's fantastic. No wonder it's it's worth going with the more standard technologies then. And how does the performance compare? Well, um, we have even better performance actually. Like the whole concept was designed around the previous aerospace project. And the design approach and even like inspiration behind the design uh, was based uh, on making a system capable for launch. So to make it uh, very robust and very efficient with pretty much zero maintenance because once something is up in space, you can have zero maintenance on it. So how the system is designed, it, it gave us uh, a flexibility and also the ability to have very, very efficient operation and even actually better uh, than other, uh, other systems. So, in fact, you, you mentioned about the sorts of losses that are typical. What, what are they? A number, for example, uh, losses that we have used on the system are around the bearings and the windage loss within the enclosure. Um, the, the higher the vacuum, the loss, these losses get decreased, but also you have the, the, the bearing losses there and also the switching losses that you have from the motor itself. But these ones are quite low on our situation. So you, so you mentioned, what was it, about 1% per hour? On discharge, self-discharge? Oh, in storage terms. On storage term, uh, it's about 1% per hour self-discharge, yes. Um, you, the size of the flywheel that you have is what, 50, 60 kilowatts and... What about 15 kilowatt hours? Is that right? Um, so the units are 60 kilowatts uh, in power output and have an energy capacity of 7.5 kilowatt hours for the mild steel rotor. And there is an option for 16 kilowatt hours for the higher dense rotors. The, the focus really there is on the power capacity rather than the energy storage capacity. Yes. And, uh, and this is critical in the, in the placement of, of flywheel in, in the spectrum of energy storage devices, it's really a very short-term um, uh, optimised thing, isn't it? Yes. Well, the grid requires power to offer any type of correction. Like most of the balancing services that the grid requires is, is around power. Which is what they call the frequency control and ancillary services, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, so our energy density of uh, seven and a half minutes, it's more than enough to cater for pretty much all the services on the auxiliary market. Because I, I know that the um, Tesla battery in South Australia, part of that is required for the power side and then the rest of it is for the storage. I think it's a 70-30 ratio. Yes. 
So your unit would do the the thirty percent of the um, frequency control and ancillary services, and not the storage side. We can tell, for example, such type of installations uh, with our technology. So we can be on in front, sit in front of them, and offer uh, like this. Uh, layer of protection and getting like the first load and do like the very quick and very rapid response so it can yes we can do that that part mm. uh, but in a combination so we have like a hybrid system with our technology front and any type of batteries sitting on the back to provide the energy aspect mm. which our battery is better suited for we can offer a solution to all to the customers that it kind of cater like for any use it's it's very flexible actually so you can offer them like a vast variety of services if you've just tuned in we're talking to george prasinos about flywheel technology at oxto energy so just in terms of um uh, sorry to keep harping on about this but i I want to get it clear for myself and for listeners um in terms of the hierarchy of of devices or not that's the wrong term probably but the the ideal um use for the various devices uh, your flywheels are ideally suited as the first attack, the immediate response within microseconds, uh, a millisecond, sorry. But uh, sort of runs out of steam after a couple of minutes. Um, by that time, batteries, although batteries can cut in that fast, but, but the batteries have more storage capability. They'll take you through much longer. And then you can cut into bigger backup sources, which might be pumped hydro, which can cut in, in minutes, yes. um, or... Maybe we still resort to gas turbines or things like that, which take a while to start up. Um, that the other factor, though, that that mitigates in favour of yours is that there is almost no cost in ramping up or down. That um, it uh, there's not the wear and tear that there is on batteries chemically. You can ramp up and down tens of thousands of times without any effective loss of efficiency. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, where in, in terms of, like of comparison to batteries, where the a truly clean tech technology uh, and clean tech on the aspect that uh, we don't have any chemicals, we don't have any earth metals, uh, we're fully recyclable at the end and not at the cost of the environment at, at any scale. And also the lifetime aspect of it is means that batteries, for example, you have every couple of years to replace them, which Although they do offer the benefit to the environment, at the end, this recyclability and like yep. what you do after is quite a bit of a problem. That it's just a bunch of steel, mostly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the other thing we didn't bring out, I guess, is we talked about this unit that, that Kay described, a, a bit over a metre across and, and a bit over half a metre high. But they're modules, and you can just stack those to infinity if you want. These 60 kilowatts and 7.5 to 16 kilowatt hour units, yes. you can just keep adding them as, as much to whatever capacity you want. Yes, absolutely. Like uh, we follow the modular approach on the design yep. and it uh, it gives a lot of flexibility. If we have an installation, we can increase its capacity quite rapidly and also on new deployments, how the system is designed, it's also the only, the, actually the, the only flag out on the market that can be installed above ground because of its design, its safety aspects. Um, so it can give a lot of flexibility and to the customers. If you want to increase capacity, we can do that quite quickly. So you're talking about using this for commercial applications, not residential applications. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, straight away I wanted to ask, and I put one in my home, but it's that um, 
rapid degradation of the stored power, like a, a percent an hour. So if you're storing over 10 hours, you lose 10%. Um. Yes, yes. Uh, we're, we're suited, though, for community storage, which is kind of concept being developed uh, uh, slowly. For, uh, for community type of yep. storage. So, for example, if a community has some uh, generation assets, they can use our devices to offer these micro grid balancing uh, services for the community and offer them the services. But for a residential home, is not... Yeah. yeah. And would you sell it to the community or how does that process work? So we have introduced uh, a new kind of model which is called PAS, PAS, which is Power as a Service. What we want to take out of the equation is the capex and the difficulty people have to fund these uh, devices, these projects. Can so I just ask you how much it would cost? It, it depends quite roughly on the installation, location, uh, country. Uh, but what we've seen is we are quite competitive even with existing battery technologies and also future competitive from what the market expectations are. And as the company grows in economies of scale, we are becoming even more competitive. It's early days. Yes, it is. So you would then introduce this service and maintenance of the unit Yes, so um, for example, the customer wouldn't have to worry about anything. They will just have a requirement of how much power they need and they will be getting that. So they don't have to worry about maintenance, infrastructure, how everything works, how they manage. So it gives them a very easy and carefree, if you like, solution. You you commented before the show, George, that that, um, people tend to, (coughs) excuse me, evaluate power systems on the price per kilowatt hour, but that actually isn't fair to your system, and that's why you've come up with this novel approach of the power as a service. You just provide them that backup, and they don't have to worry about the CapEx cost at all. Yes, well, it's not, uh, it's not just favourable for our system because uh, it's a fact that flywheels favour power over energy. But yep. generally, this metric is wrong. It, it, you have to have a metric which is the cost, the levitized cost of energy. This is more accurate because it takes into consideration the lifetime of the asset, it takes into consideration mm. the application and how you use it. Because, for example, you can go with a battery, but batteries have warranty issues, uh, they have usage restrictions. So it's not a very accurate representation, the cost per kilowatt, per mm. kilowatt hour. Sorry, I, I think I said power per kilowatt, and I should have said power per kilowatt hour. Per kilowatt, it, yes. Cost per kilowatt hour. Um, so what markets are you getting taken up in? Well, um, territorial, we have uh, projects in Austria, in Europe, uh, in the UK. Uh, we have projects in New York, and now we are here. What sort of clients? Client-wise, uh, there are like uh, mostly grid operators, uh, so like grid-scale projects, uh, renewable uh, generators as well. Uh, they want to optimize their assets and how they get the generate energy. And also, uh, we're looking on uh, EV installations uh, because we can allow and increase the penetration of fast chargers and hence following that, like uh, more electric vehicles to be seen on the streets. When you're talking about grid scale, are you talking microgrids or made grids? Uh, both, both actually. Uh, the grids, as they are today, they have quite a bit of a problem uh, coping with the new uh, generation of, uh, or with the new generation of generation. The issue is that the grids are losing inertia, and it is a, a key uh, element that somehow has to be compensated for. And we're helping the grids maintain this inertia that they have and to have like this capability of dealing with uh, failures or even problems that the grid has. But also in the microgrid situation, I can allow a microgrid uh, 
just by using our devices to offer this flexibility without having to have this additional buffer into the energy mix to offer the balancing. And for example, whenever someone flicks a switch, for the energy to be there. Um, t- tell us about coming to Australia, how you managed to do that, because <laughs> it seems quite a step. Well, uh, we've been selected uh, from a global uh, team of well, a global competition, if you like, uh, through Startup Bootcamp. Uh, we were here on an event. So is that a government thing, the Startup Bootcamp? Um, no, it is uh, an accelerator program. Uh, it's a global accelerator program. Okay. And we've been uh, accepted to that, and we were very pleased to actually and be here. how much competition did you have? We had, it was, a th- uh, if I remember correctly, around 500 companies, mm-hmm. uh, 2,000 companies interviewed, 500 companies uh, from the competition, and we've been selected for the only energy storage. So they obviously uh, thought you had something concrete. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or steel. Yes. <laughs> Metallic. <laughs> Can you just um, go back? I'm very interested in EV charging stations because we don't have very many in Australia. How would you that work with your product? Um, we have developed, if you like, a concept of having uh, the same way you have like a gas station to have the same for electric vehicles. The problem that you have uh, is that the connection, because you need a lot of power to charge mm-hmm. the vehicles, also the energy, but the power factor is what is the restriction on the grid and the cables that go around the streets or even to, to, the, to the service stations. So we came up with the concept that you can have these small uh, like gas stations uh, all around the cities without having to dig all the roads. And we can do that by having our devices offering this 20-30% of charge with some support of an energy, a higher energy density device along. And without having to have all this infrastructure work uh, happen, have a fast charging station pop out in many locations. And because of the main problem of people with, that want to buy EVs is where to charge them, we can offer this service and yes, increase the penetration of EVs. Hmm. Fantastic. Um, we've, we've got a lot of technical listeners, George, so I'm just going to uh, revert once more, one more question to the tech side. Of course. Um, just describing um, how these things work. So you've got a, a, a solid steel rotor in yours. You're spinning with a an angular velocity of uh, – I'm sorry, a, a, a rotational speed of about 11,000 RPM yes. in yours. Um, and it might be good for listeners to, to know that the energy you, you can store in these things, it depends on a combination of the mass and the rotational velocity. Yes. But it's proportional to the mass and proportional to the square of the velocity. Yes. Um, so yours spins at about 11,000 RPM. The, the high-tech magnetic-bearing carbon fibre ones are spinning up to 100,000 RPM. Is that correct? Yes, they do. They do um, yes. Which, which allows them to have less weight um, and, and get that energy storage by the speed. But either case, um, 11,000 or 100,000 RPM, you don't want that thing to come loose in a, uh, Absolutely. any sort of circumstances. <laughs> yes. So how do you protect against that? Um, that was one of the main uh, design parameters because the technology was designed, if you like, from ground up. Uh, so one of the design parameters, apart from cost, efficiency, performance, was the safety aspect. And we want to make the first flywheel that you can install above ground, that you can install it, it deploy it easily. Oh, all the others had to be put underground for safety. Underground, you have to make a big, <laughs> like, almost a bunker, hide them, put concrete above, just yeah. in case there's a failure. So our rotor is designed in such a way that even at this high speed, even if there is a failure, the failure propagates in such a way that 
the containment can, maybe the unit inside will be completely destroyed, but the containment doesn't allow anything to escape. So we might lose the unit, okay, mm. uh, who can deal with that, but there is not going to be any harm to anybody, uh, either be people, buildings, or property. Mm-hmm. Did you have to actually destructively test any? Yes, yes, it was quite <laughs> fun exercise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine a few of our listeners being involved in that. <laughs> Getting back to the AEV charging stations, are there any other unique marketing opportunities for you with this product? You're not doing cars at all? You're not tackling that market? No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have looked into having our flywheels on moving uh, vehicles. Uh, we have done a project uh, with some uh, like truck manufacturers because there is a lot happening around uh, vehicles, but not so much happening around trucks. So I think Volvo also did some Yeah, a number research. of car manufacturers have tried it. Um, that was back in 2015. Yeah. Uh, we've worked with Volvo, we work with MAN, we work with Iveco uh, on seeing how we can have a collaboration between Effectively us. Effectively act as the battery for a hybrid vehicle. And um, our ap- application was more of recuperating energy when the vehicle was costing or braking mm. and store yes. this energy and use it uh, for the auxiliary uh, systems. For example, if you have a refrigeration truck uh, and the driver was parking, we, you can power the trailer uh, through this device that had uh, free energy. So, George, where can people find out more about this wonderful flywheel? Um, you can check our website, uh, www.oxtoenergy.com. It's O-X-T-O. O-X-T-O, yes. O-X-T-O, energy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you can check our Twitter feed that we have constant updates of how we're doing it. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, all the best with the future for, for the flywheel. Thank you. And your accelerated startup. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. And you thanks very much for joining us. Thank today. you for having us. We're on to have the CEO here all the way from the UK. Thanks for your time and everything. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Solutions Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs and keep us on the air, please go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly baseload supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I wrote the first book about climate change way back in 1989 when I was a young man in my 20s. Now I'm in my 50s, so I've spent my life watching our political system try to cope with the biggest challenge humans have ever faced. So far, they've failed. I used to think that was about some failure of human psychology or our love of the status quo or something like that, but I've changed my mind. I think most people, faced with the spreading plague of drought and flood and failed harvest, are ready to take action. The problem is the fossil fuel industry. It's the most profitable enterprise in the history of the Earth. Exxon makes more money each year than any company in the history of money. And much of that profit is based on a simple fact. Alone among industries, it doesn't have to clean up after itself. 
we let coal and gas and oil barons use the atmosphere as an open sewer into which to dump carbon, their main waste product, for free. That's a sweetheart deal. Imagine you own a restaurant, and the city let you shovel your waste into the center of the street each night instead of paying for it to be carted away. You'd make more profit, too. But soon the streets would be overrun with toxins and trash. Well, that's what's going on in our atmosphere right now. Every sensible economist has said that we should force the fossil fuel industry to pay for the damage carbon creates. But it hasn't happened because this industry of polluters is able to pervert our democracy with endless campaign contributions and lobbying money. I mean, our politicians should be forced to wear decals on their suits like NASCAR drivers. And here's the thing. We're not the radicals. We want a world a little bit like the one we were born into. Oil companies are the radical ones. They're willing to alter the chemical composition of the atmosphere in order to make more money. They've already run the carbon level in the atmosphere well past the safe line, 350 parts per million. Now they're trying for a world that, uh, well, it'll jeopardize the future of most living things. Does that seem right to you? So, this is our challenge for the years ahead. If we can break their power, then the planet has a future. I don't know that we can. They are the ones with all the money. So we need to find other currencies, like passion, spirit, creativity. Sometimes we're going to have to put our bodies on the line and get arrested. It's the fight of our time. Maybe the fight of all time. And we should all be honored to be a small part of it. Help ensure that our planet is protected for all future generations. Go to 350.org and join the fight today.